1: Southern Miss to the, to the top. You're
2: tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
3: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, along with Dalton Sanford, another edition of the Eagle Hour. Luke and I today at the First Bank Studio in downtown Laurel. Dalton at the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us and uh, looking forward to another hour of Southern Miss Sports Talk. Mark Mulvaney is the new assistant softball coach for the Lady Eagles. He'll be joining us in just a couple of moments. Lindsay Lee is a former soccer player for the Black and Gold. She's on the show today as well. Luke and I will preview the NFC North which Luke some say is the most competitive division in the in the league this year.
0: It probably is, but everybody remembers it as the double doink last year with uh, right. Cody Parkey, but yeah, some some real good teams and uh, some of the coolest, maybe the, the division with some of the coolest stadiums or most iconic Correct.
3: stadiums. Right. Certainly one of the original oldest divisions uh, in the National Football League. Uh, we'll look forward to talking about that in just a moment. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics everywhere. And, of course, big supporters of the Eagle Hour, which we greatly appreciate. You can enjoy their fall-off-the-bone ribs, hickory-smoked brisket, other great meats they smoke a menhouse house each and every day. They're a great source for catering as well, whether you've got a office party, church get-together, family occasion, whatever the situation. You can sit back, relax, and let Dickey's do the cooking, and we appreciate everything that Dickey's does for the Eagle Hour. Our first guest is one of the many new coaches on campus these days. He is the new assistant softball coach for Lady Eagle Basketball, former softball, uh, softball, yes, and uh, formerly with Scout Softball. Mark Melvaney joins the Eagle Hour. And, Mark, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. I I can tell you you don't want me touching any sort of ball that's inflated with air. I'll I'll be no good. I'll be no service (laughs) to the university that way.
3: Well, we got you. Uh, We're counting on you helping with softball. So, uh, tell us. What led you to Southern Miss? And, you know, one question I kind of have in the back of my head is uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a complete new coaching staff for softball this year. And what sort of challenges does that present, Mark, uh, when everybody on the coaching staff is new to the players on the, on the team?
2: Right. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, the challenge-wise when it comes to coaching staff, you know, one of the biggest reasons that Southern Miss was kind of, you know, in my sight line was when uh, Brian LeVan was hired. And Brian and I, luckily, we go back—shoot, eight or nine years now. We, uh, when I owned Scout Softball, we would actually run evaluation events out there at UMSL when he was in St. Louis. And uh, you know, we built a pretty good relationship there. Obviously, now that I'm here, and you know, when it's a—if it's a new coaching staff that comes in, and I don't think that that, if that coaching staff doesn't have a lot of experience together. Then I believe that you know that might translate into some uh, you know kind of rough waters with the players coming in. But I can tell you that with Coach Levan, the way that he's kind of what we were doing this week is a lot of uh, coaching training, something that he's extremely good at, and then it's kind of putting us all on the same page. Um, you guys will probably talk to Devin Lowe pretty soon. She's going to be fantastic, and so kind of building you know that cohesion between the coaching staff so that the expectation amongst the staff. Is really um, is really something that's a solid ground to stand on, and then bringing that to the players. You know, obviously, there's a challenge anytime there's a new staff that comes in, but the cohesion we're building there and setting that foundation, I think, is going to be something really reliable that the players are looking forward to. Mm
3: -hmm. Part of your background is uh, you're associated with Scout Softball. For our listeners that may not be familiar with that organization, tell us about uh, Scout Softball, Mark.
2: Yeah, so back in um, back in 2010, I was uh, I was still doing a little bit of bird dog work for the Rockies back then, uh, uh, for Jeff Edwards out of the Houston area, and you know I just I got this idea that that college softball needed something similar to what the Major League Scouting Bureau offered uh, professional baseball teams. Uh, the Major League Scouting Bureau is a pretty good asset. For college baseball teams too and so what they did is what they do is they go around and they evaluate players they get video they get different measurables um so that everybody can do their job better and so i was actually running a camp uh for a bunch of coaches uh, a lot of division one coaches at the time i put on a multi-institution camp and i, I kind of pitched the idea to these guys well so i kind of had a captive audience there and i said you know what if the softball had something that mirrored the major league scouting bureau where you guys could actually get reliable information on players, good video, good metrics, reliable numbers, and, uh, you know, kind of resounding yes, like please go for it. We need something like this. So uh, I kind of ran with it in 2011, um, sold it earlier this summer, but uh, over the last eight plus years or something like that, we've had over 2,000 kids that we found for college programs. Uh, I've been able to personally work with somewhere over. 500 or so Division One athletes that have gone on to the next level. And um, obviously a lot of those are still playing now, so I can't mention names there. But um, we took a role in helping coaches do their jobs better. But at the same time, what I really enjoyed about that was actually getting on the field and helping players out, helping those Division One players kind of progress and be impact players so that they would actually go on and do the things that we said that they would do.
0: Coach, uh, this is Luke Johnson, man. We're we're just excited to have you, and and that's such a what what you did with Scout Softball is, is such a, uh, a a need. I was talking to uh, Chris Robinson, who's at Jones College. He's a good friend of mine, and man, he was just talking yep. about the the width and you know just depth of of your company and what you have done. And I just kind of mentioned to Chris, I said uh he's the guy you want to be lighting up the recruiting trails for southern miss now i mean just that was was so obvious to me about your hire uh you just have connections everywhere and that's just going to benefit southern miss softball in such a great way
2: yeah i, I tell you what with the um and what's been really cool about this area is that as soon as i got here um uh we we obviously know chris back from scout days and things like that so you know we had some mississippi kids uh, come through scout but I tell you what, as soon as, as soon as we got here, just the outpouring from, uh, you know, high school coaches, um, travel ball coaches, parents just introducing themselves and want to help. Because one of the challenges that, that we're going to have early on here is just building that network within the state of high school coaches and things like that. Luckily, um, there's a tremendous woman that we all know, Wendy Hogue, that's still in the area that did a great job here. And Wendy has just been a tremendous help to all of us and kind of making some of those introductions and you know making this transition really easy so that we really slide into the uh making sure that we put Mississippi kids on the radar and find those kids uh you know some of the better finds in my career have been kids who are just in the middle of nowhere that nobody knew who they were and then um so Ivy Drake's kind of an example of that and uh she graduated a couple of years ago at Georgia State well I had Ivy Drake ranked as the number one player in the 2014 graduating class, and nobody else even knew who she was. Well, she goes out her freshman year, and she's a National uh, Freshman of the Year runner-up, Paige Parker from Oklahoma. And so I feel like there's probably some Ivy Drake lurking out there somewhere that if we'll spend the the resources and the time and effort to get to know these kids, I guarantee there's some kids sitting around there, that, that would be dying to go to Southern Miss and that deserve a look from us. And I think that's something that I'm really looking forward to is maybe giving those kids the attention they deserve because that was kind of my story growing up. And it's actually why I started Scout Softball because I was a kid growing up in East Texas that didn't get any looks. And it was yeah. it was kind of my bigger purpose for starting Scout is so that that kid that maybe lives in a town of 500 kids can have those same opportunities so in this new role, I'm not afraid to jump on the road and go out and try to find those kids because they deserve it.
0: And and with that said, finding new kids, the, the Golden Eagles have some great pieces coming back: Lacey Summer, Summerlin, Alyssa Davis, Bailey Springfield, McKenna Pierce. I mean, you guys uh, can, can make an impact in Conference USA with the right formula going even this coming year.
2: Yeah, that's something that uh, it's been real hard. I'm a, I'm a big video guy, obviously, so i've been I've been sitting in the office chopping up video already. Just looking at these players and everybody that we've come into contact with, even even my realtor knows there's talent coming back here. It's, it's amazing, and I think people have really identified. There's a lot of special talent that's coming back right now, and in the, the video evidence, it backs all of that up. And I tell, I tell you what, look, it, it, it absolutely kills me that I got to sit in the office for another thirty plus days before we actually get to work with these kids because it's there's a lot there. A lot to get excited about. I've got notes all over my desk, and just can't wait to can't wait to dig in and um, see what we can do with them. Because I think there's a lot of talent there, and um, from what we understand, there's a good recruiting class coming in too.
3: All right, Mark, we appreciate you being on the show. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Welcome to Southern Miss, and uh, best of luck to you, your new job. We're we're anxious to see you guys uh, bring this group of girls on the field.
2: I appreciate it, guys. It's lunchtime, so I think I'm heading to Dickie's. You got my stomach growling.
3: (laughs) There you go. Uh, No better place. Mark Mulvaney, everybody, the new assistant softball coach for the Lady Eagle program. Glad to have him on the Eagle Hour. When we come back, we're going to talk a little NFL football. The NFC North is on our minds. Stay with us. Eagle Hour continues.
1: To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
3: Ed, welcome back, everybody. I want to thank Mark Melvaney for joining us in the first segment of the show from Scout Softball and now the assistant uh, coach for the Lady Eagle softball program. Glad to have him on the Eagle Hour. Coming up a little later in the show, Lindsay Lee, a former soccer player. Uh, we'll have her on the show here in about 15 or 20 minutes. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Our friends down on Hardy Street, of course, carry the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel that you'll find anywhere on the planet. You can shop them uh, online at uh, campusbookmart.net. You can visit them Monday through Saturday on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. So we appreciate Campus Bookmart and their support of the Eagle Hour. Okay, we've been going around the NFL, uh, kind of taking a look at how things seem to be shaping up for the new football season uh, which actually, what is today, Luke? Today's Wednesday. Wednesday. Tomorrow night, full slate of preseason games uh, in the NFL tomorrow night. Today, we're going to take a look at the NFC North. Some say it's the most competitive division in the National Football League, and it shapes up this year to be a uh, a division. I think it's fair to say that will be very competitive. Let's start with the Detroit Lions. They were six and ten last year, first year under Matt Patricia, the former longtime defensive coordinator who came to Detroit from the New England Patriots. Well, the Lions have loaded up during the offseason. They signed a massive deal with Trey Flowers to get him to join the Lions from, of course, the New England Patriots. Plus, they drafted tight end uh, T.J. Hockeman, and uh, they expect him to make an immediate impact on the team offensively. They bring a defensive coach over Luke. They've got a great quarterback in Matthew Stafford. You would think, based on Patricia's history with the Patriots and having a quality QB to build your team around, uh, the lions could very well improve from their 6 and 10 record this year.
0: It's it, again, it's one of those quarterback teams. Stafford, uh, while he's put up statistics and he's he's extremely tough, you just feel like he he has never really gone to where to an elite level in the NFL. I mean, that's just kind of what you 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 feel like uh threw right under 4000 yards last year, but he only threw 21 Touchdown passes, you you do get uh, some stuff on the end. I just kind of feel like, I just kind of feel like like the Belichick coaching style doesn't fit very well in Detroit, like. Like, I'm, you know, you know how you got old school football players and you could yell at them all day and the more you yell, the more you, you, they love you. It seems like there's some, a dynamic on that Detroit team. Like, if you bring that to them, those people kind of pull back a little bit. And I don't, I'm not calling them soft, Mm -hmm. but it just, Stafford is going to have to carry the team. And so far in his career, he really hasn't, without Calvin Johnson, he really hasn't, you know, shown the ability to to
3: do that. Right. The Great Bay Packers, for the first time in a long time, will take the field without Mike McCarthy being their head coach. They hired 39-year-old Matt LaFleur to come in and coach Aaron Rodgers. The Packers uh, revamped their roster mostly through free agency during the offseason. They added some free agents like Zadarius Smith and Adrian Amos, both uh, they think will upgrade them defensively. They lost their perennial All-Pro linebacker, uh, to the Los Angeles Rams, and you and I were talking uh, before the show, Luke. Aaron Rodgers is beginning to is beginning to s- sort of see his, tar starni- uh, his star tarnished a little bit, kind of like Matthew Stafford in a way. You know, he's been really good with numbers. He's a flashy quarterback, but the Packers just haven't been all that the last few years.
0: Yeah, and and with. Rogers, you know, the, the, all the stuff with him and, and, uh, the former head coach, you know, just kind of going at it a little bit. You, you wonder, here's the question for the Green Bay Packers. Who's in charge? Is LaFleur in charge? Is Aaron Rodgers in charge? Because i tell you what, Bob, in the New England Patriots, who's know, in charge? We know
3: who's in charge. And, and that, that just right. shows
0: you though, that the, the, the way to success is to, to know who's, who's in charge. Um, Packers couldn't run the ball worth the flip last year. Uh, they threw the ball, I think, like 67% of the time. Randall Cobb has gone to Dallas. Defensively, they could be a little better. They drafted a safety in the first round. And the guy you mentioned, Andrew, Adrian Amos, um, could mentor. I think it's Savage, or Darnell Savage it was the first-round pick. Um, they, they've got to be able to do – Aaron Rodgers' arm can't be what carries this team. Although it, it – for a lot of teams, but you got to be able to run the football, especially in the NFC North. So they've got to do a whole lot better job on it this year.
3: Minnesota Vikings last year, pretty disappointing for them. They were 8-7-1, and one, and that's after they paid uh, buckets and buckets of money to get Kirk Cousins to come over from the Redskins. Uh, you can't count them out. Cousins struggled last year, had a pretty shaky offensive line, but uh, they drafted uh, Garrett Bradbury. Uh, to help booster that offensive line. Tried to do some things to strengthen the team on the defensive and offensive line of scrimmage. A lot of eyes on Kirk Cousins this year, Luke. He's making an awful lot of money for his team to be 8-7-1. and Do you look for the Vikings to get back to the form they had uh, two, three years ago?
0: I think they could be a playoff team. I think they could be a a, a decent maybe first or, or second-round playoff team. I mean, when you look at Cousins, 4,300 – if I told you – if you had a quarterback, 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. I mean, that's not awful. In, I mean, yardage-wise, that's really good. You know, touchdown-wise, maybe you want five more. Uh, but that's averaging around two, maybe three touchdowns a game. Cousins doesn't have uh, a a lack of receiver. You know, when you look at the Vikings, the question you're asking is not who's your number one, not who's your number two, uh, you're number three. So they've already got Thielen and they've got uh, Diggs. Uh, Randolph is a uh, Rudolph, I should say. Rudolph is a great tight end. Um, So they've got weapons. Um, It's just going to depend on some of those later games. One of the things about the Vikings that I've always wondered too, playing in the NFC North, you play half your games inside right. and you play six of your games in tough conditions. Right. What's the trade off there? Uh, it, this team, though, will rise or fall. It's, it's not about Cousins in week two, week four, week six. It's in the games that count that he hasn't taken the next step, and that's going to have to happen this year.
3: Knock on Cousins has always been that in really crucial situations, he makes bad plays. And and he loses games. He he plays really well, but then he throws terrible interceptions. Believe me, I've seen them uh, that would cause you to lose games late in the uh, late in the contest. He's got to clean his act up a little bit because I think he is surrounded by a talented football team,
0: especially on offense. Right. And and I still think they're going to be able to run the football. Um, if they can protect him a little more. See, so you, you don't know if, if that's a person thing, if that's a protection issue that's caused him over those. I think he can be an extremely good quarterback when he plays with confidence.
3: The Chicago Bears were 12 and four last year. It was a breakout season for the Bears. Should have won the NFC wild card game. Uh, terrible, terrible, fluky play at the end of that game. Uh, a missed field goal causes them to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Bears, Theoretically, should have been a second-round playoff team last year. They've got a bright young quarterback. They're the same old Bears in the respect of their big, bruising type of football team. Morgan's is just loving hearing yeah. every minute of this. Uh, Chicago, probably the most improved team in the NFC last year. Now, here's the question. Can you follow that up?
0: Trubisky, I think, is going
3: to have even a better year.
0: I, I, I think you, you look at... What he was coming out of North Carolina. And then when he started having a surrounding cast with him, I mean, he's, he could be a a, a top seven quarterback this year. Um, Maybe a little bold, but, but I I think he could. The defense is, is just old, nasty, you know, Bears defense. Khalil Mack is a freak. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you look at here, here's a, the Bears trying to tap into the power of Bill Belichick. They brought in Cordero Patterson. Out of Tennessee, he's been kind of a Swiss Army knife. He was a kick returner last year. Six big guy. Um, he had a he, he came on the scene with uh, the Vikings. He sat dormant for a couple years, and Belichick worked him back into statistics last year. They get him at receiver. <sighs> I, th- I think the Bears are the clear favorite in, in this mm-hmm. division, and, you know, November and uh, December at Soldier Field, is hard for anybody to win.
3: I think that this division has two very good football teams, Chicago and Minnesota, two teams with a lot of potential and, and teams that could really burst upwards in in Detroit and in Green Bay. So if I were going to look at it, Luke, I would say you're going to have Chicago repeat as a division champion. Minnesota will be right on their heels followed by Green Bay, followed by the Detroit Lions.
0: Yeah, well, the Lions, I think, are got to be the four. So the Lions have the Chargers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and division people on their schedule. Hmm. I, I don't think they – you know, you look at maybe if they split two out of three teams, that that's two. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could be a 5-11 team. Pretty, right. pretty, I mean, you talk about the, the two AFC, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the, even with the Eagles – yeah, the Packers are a wild card. Uh, Lafleur working with uh, if Aaron Rodgers, you know the the cards line up. Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks. He can he's like Drew Brees. He can create you know somebody's resurrect somebody's name overnight or make somebody make some receiver you know a, a great name. Missing Cobb's going to hurt. Can they run the football? It's it's the Bears and the Vikings with the Packers slightly behind the Vikings and then the, the Lions way back. Yeah.
3: Uh, So that's the uh, NFC North tomorrow. We're going to preview the NFC East, and we're going to have on the show tomorrow, used to work at one of the local TV stations, is now a full-time correspondent for the, the Washington Redskins. I'll show
0: some love. I'm cool with the Redskins.
3: NFC East tomorrow. So all you Cowboy fans around, be sure you tune in. We don't have any good things to say about you, but... We will preview the Cowboys as well. Eagle Hour continues. We're going to talk soccer when we come back.
1: To
0: the top. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar & Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Daily specials, weekly specials, and until football season, every Tuesday night, 65-cent wings. Go see our friends at 4th Street Bar & Grill. Well, just Two days until Southern Miss soccer kicks off, and uh, that will be the official launch of the athletic year for 2019 to 2020. And uh, joining uh, me now on the phone, Lindsay Lee, former Southern Miss soccer player from 2014, 16, and 17. Lindsay, what's going on? Nothing much. I'm
1: on Eagle Hour. I'm excited to talk to you guys today.
0: Well, we're excited to to have you and uh we like talking to Mississippi people, okay? And and you're out of the glorious uh, city of Picayune went uh, over to uh to Bay St. Louis and how did you uh, how did you come up about uh 60 miles uh to Hattiesburg uh, out, out of uh, Picayune and Bay St. Louis? Okay,
1: so actually I was born in Hattiesburg at Forest General and both of my parents attended Southern Miss in college. Um as I reached my latter days of high school, I knew I wanted to play, and Coach Mo reached out to me. And when I came for a visit, I just knew that was where I was going to be. So that's how I ended up. That's how I ended up in Hasburg.
0: We uh, we we love those stories when uh, your your parents raised you right. Okay, you were you were born at Forest General, and you, both of your parents are Southern Miss. That, that that's great. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we had Coach Mo on on the show um, last week, and you know I, I, when I go back and every time I'm amazed at his resume, how well connected, uh, not just nationally but internationally. I mean, w- what a coach uh, that we have, you know, on staff at Southern Miss who knows the game so well.
1: I know it's it's pretty wonderful when you look at his credentials. He really does have it all. And Coach Mo, he's just such a significant figure in my life because. I have an interesting story, and I actually was there as a freshman. I ended up transferring to another college, and so a little bit of my story, I had developed an eating disorder when I was coming to USM. I was already in the midst of it. When I was there, I was having a rough time as a freshman because I was trying to maintain my grade and also being on the field, the strenuous sport. We had a really heavy schedule, and I was just kind of... Personally, going through a lot of things. And when I transferred, um, I looked at him after I talked to him. He's like, You promised me you'll come back. And I was like, Yes, sir, I promise. And so, a whole year later, after I had actually gone to treatment, played at a junior college at Pearl River Community College, I came back and he had open doors ready for me. And he was like, No, I can see that you're ready and I believe in you. And I was like, Thank you, coach. I'm, I'm ready to be back. And so, it was just really a I, blessing I, that he welcomed me back to the team.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing, and and that's the the kind of man that that Coach Mo and we when we talk to him, that that's what comes across. So I mean, but you played a lot as a freshman. You played in sixteen games, uh, had some assists. Um, so when you went to Pearl River, and we should bring this up, you recently were inducted into the Pearl River Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that! You were really good down there. So you played a lot your first uh, two years um what was it difficult going from d1 back to uh to a community
1: college it it was it was interesting it was different it it was two totally different places and they each gave me something special when i was at southern miss you know it was a whole nother ball game i had never experienced that level of play at a division one college before i've never experienced that sort of training and there was there was a lot of competition it was it was it wasn't just all about fun anymore. It was fun, but you were earning your position on the field. You were earning your spot. And you were also, you know, you want to you leave an impact on your teammates. And you want to be that teammate that is positive and can adapt to the new environment of maybe not playing every game. A lot of times when you go to college, you're used to playing all the time on a club team often. And you just have to adapt to accepting what, what comes as it is and, and being being the awesome encourager on the bench or if you're on the field, just just being that person who gives it their all and and really focuses on being that teammate and being in the moment, present moment and so when I transferred to Pearl River, it gave me a piece of it gave me a piece of home because it was close to home and it was it was cool because I had a a good family environment there I was playing with a lot of girls I'd grown up playing with and um, It just, it was what I needed at that time. It really was and It was fun to win a championship and it was, it was just, it was a little bit lighter for me and for me at that time, that was what was best for me. And when I went back and I was ready, I just can't begin to explain what being a collegiate athlete at USM did for me, because not only did it, did it give me friendship and community and work ethic and responsibility, but and really excitement. It's, it's so exciting to play a Division One sport at that school. Um, it gave me what I needed to move forward after soccer. It gave me what I needed in the classroom, and it just taught me so many things, just even morally, and, and coming together with a group of wonderful young women and wonderful coaches. Um, yeah, it really was an experience of a lifetime. Can you explain it? I say it all the time. I wish I would have videoed more of just behind the scenes of what we really did on a daily basis because yeah. people always talk about the grind, but we really did. I mean, we just, we trained hard. We were excited. We trained hard. We worked during the summertime. We were always preparing for season. If it, if it wasn't season, we were doing something,
2: and
1: yeah, it, it was a... It was definitely a time of my life that gave me something that I will hold on to forever that will definitely benefit me and others. So I'm, I'm so thankful and blessed for the time that I had at USM. William, really
0: you know you're you're a, you're an overcomer. We have something in common. We both tore our ACL in high school. I think you had uh, two of them. And you know you, and then you talk about, you know, facing, uh, you know, the disorder you were fighting and overcoming that. How rewarding was it in 2016 when you come back, and we talked to uh, Coach Mo about this the other day. 2016, Lady Eagles is the first time, I think, in 13 years uh, for the, the ladies' soccer team to have a winning record. How big was that, coming back, going right back in it, seeing some of those teammates, and then having a winning season? So
1: coming off of those two injuries, I'll tell you what. I didn't I, – I really – I wasn't dreaming as big as I wish I would have at that time, because once I tore my, my ACL the second time, I got a little bit discouraged, and I didn't know if I was even going to have the opportunity to go play in college. But I said, you know what? I've played since I was four years old. I love the sport. It was I'd put so much into it. And I was like, I'm not going to give up now, so I'm going to go ahead for the second surgery and and just go for it. Well, the door opened up, and it was – I remember the first game I played as a freshman – it was an emotional time. It was exciting when I got off the field. I remember hugging my mom. I was crying. And it was just a special moment because it had been a good two years before I really had gotten to play. And to get to do it at that level and and just experience it with a group of girls that way was really special for me. And um, it was really, it was a dream come true. And then this past season, seeing how far the girls made it, it was so exciting because we had, we had had some great seasons and the program kept, kept growing. But it's funny, once I left this past season, I was, I remember I had, I was actually in the middle of the city in New Orleans. I was going to the Saints game and I was running on the sidewalk. We were trying to get, we were booking it to get to a restaurant. And I was watching the game on the iPad, like screaming, running down the sidewalk in the middle of New Orleans, because <laughs> I was like, I know these girls. It's so cool. I was like, that's a lot of the girls. I was like, I got to play next to them. It was just so exciting to see that all the work that we had put in the last few years and that the girls I know put in. I mean, it is just, it's a job in itself. It really is. And I just have so much respect for college athletes because on top of school and on top of being a, whatever else you are, you know, a sister, um, a family member, a friend, a student, you know, these girls are working so hard and it was just. It was really cool. It was right. an honor to be able to see that and, and experience that with him, even from afar, over the iPad. <laughs> so, that's, really uh,
0: that's another thing we have in common, Lindsay, who dat? So th- there you go. Uh, about a minute <laughs> left. Um, yeah, who dat? My, my co-host is a, is a Redskins fan, and he's going to remain silent for the rest of this segment because I'm on a hoodaddy Hey, about 45 seconds left. You, you do something pretty special now. Let our listeners know what you're up to now.
1: Okay, so just recently I started my own business called Lulu Gallery, and the whole point of the business is it's a redemptive story of everything I just explained to you in this character called Little Lulu, and she does art, and she expresses art in her outfits, and she wants to just be fun and joyful with kids. She is going to be at the Ahava Festival March 7th and 8th um, of this upcoming year, 2020, Everybody come out. It's going to be an awesome festival in the Waldenburg Riverfront, New Orleans. And there's an upcoming fundraiser for it, it's September 21st, at Generations Hall in New Orleans. Um, reach out to me. We have a website, Lululu Gallery. I have Facebook and Instagram. If you would like any artwork for your children or your home or some styled pants, shoes, whatever you like, reach out. I would love to do something for you. There's also little goodies that come with that. So I'm just really excited to give back and just kind of the time's been redeemed. And Southern Miss was such a big part of the story and what's going on now. So it's really cool to see what's coming.
0: Well, that's a great story, Lindsay. And we appreciate you sharing that with us. And thanks for being on the Eagle Hour today.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. It's
0: Lindsay Lee, former Southern Miss soccer player. Great story of uh, facing a. Uh, Difficult times head on and coming out victorious on the end. Bob and I will wrap it up right after this on the Eagle Hour.
1: You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern
3: Miss to the top.
0: Appreciate spending uh, some time with Lindsay Lee, former soccer player. Great story. Appreciate her coming on. Appreciate uh, assistant softball coach Mark Mulvaney for joining us in the first segment and really excited to see uh, what dividends pay off uh, with his connections, uh, just from a recruiting perspective from his, from his former job. Fourth segment, Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Gulfport Home Center located online gulfporthomecenter.ms, and located in person on highway 49 in Gulfport. Bob and Luke in beautiful downtown Laurel and Dalton in the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Uh, you, you pass it a lot. First Bank's building that uh right. that big big pretty building. Big too. Reggie Call your mansion out there. Right. People there Uh, Whatever you need, financial, go stop by and see our friends at First Bank. They've been with us for a long time on the Eagle Hour.
3: Original sponsor of the show. You know, yesterday I was driving by that bank, and there were like five or six people standing on the road holding up signs, those kind of you know billboard signs that you hold up that had 10 on them. I don't know if Reggie paid them to do that (laughs) or if maybe that's something that they were just doing out of the goodness of their heart. I wonder if they're going to have 10 drive drive-through lanes. Yeah, Reggie was promoting himself pretty heavily. 10 ATMs. But I noticed Reggie wasn't out in the heat. He had the young people out holding up the. He North may have been, been out in
0: the heat. He may have been playing golf somewhere. <laughs>
3: that's that probably as <laughs> hot as Reggie yeah. gets anymore.
0: Yeah. Um. Was uh, I was on Good Morning Jones County this morning with Todd Ilsey here in Laurel, and we were talking Jones County football and all that's coming up. Uh, there's a kid at South Jones. Uh, his name's Reed Gavin. He's an offensive tackle. He's a junior, big kid, 6'5", 305. three oh five. He's been playing uh, for two years. He started as a ninth grader. Now he's eleventh grader. South Alabama has offered a kid in Ellisville, Mississippi. Southern Miss has not yet. So, you know, Patrick's been talking about how yeah. South Alabama's been, you know, recruiting on the Gulf Coast. They're finding their way into the free state of Jones right now. Right. Um, where, you know, when you when you think about some of these Sun Belt teams, eventually you've got to admit that in some ways – Sunbelt football is just as good as Conference USA football. Maybe not in a TV
3: standpoint. But you have to start taking these teams seriously, Are they going to come grab kids out of your own backyard. Well, clearly South Alabama's already doing that. According to Patrick, they're really hitting the coast hard. Now you say, you know, now they're separate. He's so frustrating, Luke. I, I heard much of that this morning. And, you know, so here's a kid that's going to South Alabama out of Jones County. You were talking about the the big defensive star, goes off to Alabama. Uh, you know, don't you just hate to see the, the good kids from your home state? And I know you're not going to keep them all, but, and it's been a frustration over the years, but it's so frustrating to see kids leave the state of Mississippi to go play for schools in other states when there are three Division One schools right here. Right.
0: And, and hopefully... You know, Southern's going to come through and, and recruit a kid like Gavin. He's just he hadn't committed to South Alabama. They just they just offered offered him. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were we were talking about Jones College. You know, they had a, they had like eleven D one signees. One kid went to Virginia Tech. I mean, you know, running backs going to go to Memphis. And um, I, I guess we 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 may need to throw out a few more offers. You know that report came out. When was it? Like six months ago. We we sent out. It was like 517 offers. So we were the most of any. Uh, but but what you what you do get excited about? There's no way you can hog everybody. Uh, at the same time, though, I'm excited from some of these recruiting classes, particularly on the offensive line. I mean, they you talk about what they had to address in the offseason. First day in pads today. Uh, there's an article on SouthernMiss.com. Ty Pollard, who's the son of Latrell Pollard, former Southern Miss linebacker. They've been Jack and these guys have been trying to target a, a, a senior every day, and Ty Pollard's on there today. But you see kids like Drake Dorbeck, and you see kids like Jaden Johnson, the quarterback, who's got a you know rifle for an arm as a true freshman. I think Jay, though, is more committed to recruiting high school football uh, players in the state of Mississippi than probably the last two coaches have.
3: Well, then recruit the kids from Mississippi. Recruit the kids from the coast that are going to South Alabama. Recruit the kid from Jones County here. Because here's what the kid from Jones County brings. He brings people to the football stadium on Saturday yeah. afternoon to watch him play. Yeah. The kids from the coast bring family and friends up from the Gulf Coast, and Maybe that's a way around the attendance problems. Maybe that's one of the ways to address the attendance problems. It's just natural. I mean, if you have a kid from a local school that's playing on the the local college football team, he's going to bring local people to watch him play.
0: And they've, they TQ Newsom's from Gulfport, uh, the Riles kid whose dad played at Southern. He's from Purvis. Um, they've they've uh, they've reached. They've signed some Jones kids. Uh, so I mean it, it's there it, it's come it's signed you know two or three Brookhaven kids in the last few years so I think uh, Jay's focus um, is is more directed Let, let's be honest Munkin was just going after whoever he could I mean you know right. we got to turn this thing around he found a few too he, he? he, he did find a few
3: <laughs> very very well he did Bob Matthews is the gentleman we were talking about earlier he used to work at a local TV station that's now covering the Redskins. Just got word from Kelly Sander that's been moved back to Tuesday because Kelly J. can't be here tomorrow. So so he wants to be here. But but what a show tomorrow. Sheila Williams, former Southern Miss athlete and probably – the biggest hurdle she had to overcome in her life was the fact she's married to Mitchell Williams.
0: Literally and figuratively.
3: Correct. And so uh, Sheila Williams, and I'm going to try to hunt down Mitchell and see if we can do the husband-wife thing like we did with we Brian We get honest and answers out of
0: Mitch that way, you know?
3: We could put Mitchell on the hot seat with his wife on the show. We're really hoping that we can pull that off. All right, that wraps it up for today. We appreciate everybody listening, as always, and remind you that we'll be back tomorrow at 1. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top.
0: Time keeps on slipping, slipping,
3: slipping into the future. I like an eagle.